welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast here. Again, we love we love doing this because we want to create a dialogue around the scriptures. And this morning, it's July, uh, Sunday, July 31st. We're in our summer teaching series, walking through the parables today. We're the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, uh, Matthew chapter 20, 1 to, 1 to 16. And I'm joined here on the podcast by Jeff South. Jeff is our director of Upward, and uh, he serves also helping us to, uh, to get new people connected into the church. And uh, it's a new role, Jeff, stepping in uh, with us here this fall, summer and into fall. And um, yeah, so Jeff, welcome. Uh, give, us, give us your bio, man. Tell us who you are. Tell us what makes Jeff South tick. <laughs> well, um, I have a. I grew up in um, Southern Iowa, but um, you did. I'm and by the way, we. Uh, I just want to affirm right now, Jeff is wearing pants in the studio. That is true. <laughs> I I was listening to your sermon last week, which, by the way, you brought a good word, brother, uh, last week, and uh, and so I was listening to it in the car as we were driving back uh, from Pittsburgh. We were over in Pittsburgh for a week for uh, visiting friends and that. And, uh, and, uh, Jeff's, Jeff's opening about how I razzum, give him a hard time about wearing shorts in the office. And, uh, that was, I was laughing out loud at 4am in the car. <laughs> My children who were trying to sleep in the back did not appreciate it. I bet that's true. <laughs> yeah, I do have pants on this per, at this particular time. There we go. There we but go. When I can, I wear my shorts. Uh huh. All right. So you grew up in Southern Iowa. I did. I grew up in Southern Iowa. Born in Colorado, but I went to four different high schools and a couple different colleges. But um, have had the opportunity to serve the Lord several years as a pastor, youth pastor, solo pastor. But I've have also had the opportunity to to be outside of the church and and help out with um, coaching and. Yeah, it's been a fun to be able to bridge for the community, and so I think that really helps to to come into what uh the assimilation a piece of our mm-hmm. ministry here, trying to get people connected to the church, whether they're just new people or the people who've been around for a while and just need to find out, hey, how do I how do I make this fellowship thing work? How yeah. do I make this community work? And so yeah. I'm going to be jumping into some of those here soon, and hopefully, hopefully, giving more opportunities for people to make some more connections. Yeah, and even for those who are for folks who are here, right? Opportunity to get connected more and more into the the life and mission of uh, Christ community. Absolutely, you know? and yeah, in yeah. that, really, what we really believe is that we believe life should be lived in community, right? Mm. So connected more and more into relationships, and so so Jeff, excited for you to step into that. Love your heart, your heart for people, and uh, Jeff has been you've been here three years. And Jeff has mentored uh, wrestlers at Iowa State, coaches football at Gilbert, um, helps in our middle school and high school ministry, launched a college small group. Like uh, Jeff and Carla are just people people and uh, love, love them, love their hearts for people and love their hearts for Jesus. So, Jeff, you spoke last week on forgiveness. This week we were talking about grace. And so often we get these ideas that forgiveness or grace, when we extend it, it makes us a doormat, right? Mm. It's just people walk all over us, but, but both forgiveness and grace require, uh, it requires truth. It requires a standard. I think, I think you said it this way, like last week, forgiveness never says that the wrong that was committed is okay. Right. Right. It it says, I want restoration. And it actually, forgiveness requires acknowledgement of the wrong. Mm -hmm. 
It's just in the same way that grace requires acknowledgement of the standard because grace is getting something that we don't deserve. And, um, and so in that, here's the first question. It says, I hear Christians often say that a person does not deserve heaven or that person does not deserve forgiveness. How should we respond to that? How do we help them understand that God accepts all who ask for, for forgiveness, no matter where their path was before? So I love this question of asking, how do I help people understand the depth of grace, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, when you, when you hear that, how would you respond to somebody who says, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness or that person doesn't deserve heaven? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I think you made a good distinction today between the mercy and what mercy is and what grace is, but at the same time, um, mercy is God giving us what we don't deserve. Yeah. And grace is God giving us what, no, I no, no. messed it up. So mercy <laughs> is, is not getting what, what we, we deserve. deserve. Yeah. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Yeah. I, I, they, they go so <laughs> hand in hand, they yeah. feel so interchangeable, but there's an important, yeah. there's an important distinction there. Absolutely. You know, but, um, but, but I think, I, I think that, um, plays into, we've, we've got to learn to be merciful people mm-hmm. and under, yeah. I mean, as we understand that concept, but I think, I do think that, um, the concept of mercy and grace are something that, uh, we have to have it modeled to us in order for us to be able to, so for, in order for people to explain it, you can explain it in the concept, but modeling in it in a way in which, yeah, I, I'm going to not give you what you deserve on this, or I am going to give you something you don't deserve. Yeah. Those type of things. I, I think the model piece is so important, but explaining it to somebody, I would, I would go into the, to the area of talking about the love of God and how his love is so great for all of us. And even though yeah. we have all messed up many times, we don't deserve, you're right. We probably don't deserve that, but yeah. God still gives it. God still gives us grace. He still, uh, you know, he still has mercy upon us when the, those are issues in which yeah. we were wrestling with. But yeah, I think you're right. And again, the question is directed at Christians, right? So these are people who already claim Christ. And I think right. I, I love the, I mean, Jesus asked a lot of questions in return, right? So just, uh, just Jeff, just as you're pointing back to the love of God, right? Just going, well, when did you deserve forgiveness? Mm. Right? I mean, like not not being argumentative, right? But just going again. Let's go. Let's go back to the gospel. And what do we really believe about the gospel? Do you really believe that you somehow deserved forgiveness? Right. Because the gospel tells us that none of us deserve right. forgiveness, right? So so I get it, and it's hard sometimes for our hearts, um, especially if it's a, again, we talk about the truth and compassion lenses. If we're more truth lens, we need to increase in our compassion lens. But if we're more a truth lens person, it can go, well, well, they did so much wrong. Mm-hmm. How could they ever? And again, we kind of we kind of are like the, the, the laborers hired first, right? Right. Um, but I think, I think just asking that, like, again, I love the asking of questions that Jesus does so often. He's with Nicodemus, John chapter 3. And it, you're supposed to be Israel's teacher, you know, he goes back and asks him some questions, uh, some hard ones, but asking the question of, well, when did you deserve God's salvation? Mm. When did you deserve God's forgiveness? And again, prefacing it, like not being antagonistic, not being argumentative here, but help me to understand your experience. Right. And if it truly is a gospel experience, well, we never deserved it. Right. You know, very, we never earned it. And very so good, very good thoughts. I, I like the idea of saying, Hey, well, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. When did you deserve it? Yeah. Right. And then I think okay. going back into like, let's just talk about God's love. Mm-hmm. When did we ever deserve it? Absolutely. Yep. Right. Did Adam and Eve deserve God's pursuit of them in Genesis chapter three? No, they had rejected God. Mm-hmm. Yet he pursues them and provides for them. Mm-hmm. 
it's an act of grace. Absolutely. Right. So yeah, I think just going back and dwelling on, like you said, the love of God and then personalizing and going, well, when did I deserve it? Yep. You know? And so let's talk, you know, talking about that. I, I think the other thing that comes up in this conversation of grace, you know, sometimes may, forgiveness might be a little bit more tangible, a little bit more palatable because mm. we do it with our kids or our, our, our friendships, our coworkers. We, we do that work of forgiveness maybe more more tangibly. Grace is something a little bit more out in the ether, it feels like. It's more abstract. And so this question is is really just kind of, they're getting at that, asking, hey, practical, <laughs> you know, what is this? what does this mean? And, and so it said, can you give us a practical example of how grace and truth uh, interweave, right? Um, some, something practical here. You know, I shared a story about my dad that uh, what we, what my brother and I deserved, and the reason we knew that we deserved it is because my dad held us accountable to the standard. You know, so we knew the standard of discipline with my dad, and my dad's a, a great dad, and it's one of the things he did really, really well is that we knew that dad meant business. And not an unloving or abusive uh, or mean or manipulative way, but just like our father in heaven in Hebrews, uh, fathers, earthly fathers discipline their children, yet how much more does our father in heaven love us? And he disciplines us, yet his discipline is so much better for us, right? So we knew that there was a standard. There was, you know, truth that we had done something wrong. <laughs> and what we deserved was punishment, accountability, and to repay it right? To make it right. We deserved to make it right. Instead, my dad made it right for us, you know? And so, um, so I think, I mean, that's, that's one practical example from my life. Jeff, is there, is there a practical example from your life where you so tangibly received grace that it was seared into your, into your mind Mm, or into your heart? Yeah. Um, I think there was a time in my life when the grace that to an extent when I had made some mistakes as a young man and uh, appeared before a judge in a court of law. Okay. And a legal, uh, and actually, I'm gonna, actually, hold on, let's pause. I need to take some notes on this. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know this is coming out now in the background check. It was one of those <laughs> things where actually, um, we were with the guy who was siphoning some gas. Okay. A car. Okay. And, um, the judge actually um, was a friend of the family, but at the same time, he didn't know me that well. He was a friend of my dad and my mom and okay. my little sister. And but at the same time, he um, he he showed grace to a couple of, of guys who made some dumb mistakes. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to 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 rectify the situation by keeping yourself clean. But at the same time, he said, you know, you probably deserve more than what I want. I'm going to give you. Yeah. You deserve more punishment, but I'm going to give you some compassion here and yeah. instead of sentencing this because we pleaded guilty because we were obviously with him. We knew we were guilty and yeah. yet he showed grace and did not um, punish us to the full extent or even to the, yeah. any part of the law. And he just uh, showed grace and compassion yeah. as a man. And, um, just for a couple of dumb kids who yeah. did some, and so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was a clear standard, right? I, I think so often, maybe the other way to look at this is, is when, when in your life did you experience the, the, the heavy handedness of a standard, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, okay, you had a last minute request, a uh, vacation request or whatever. <laughs> and by the HR code in the HR manual at your employer, right? The HR rep you're sitting with said, well, I'm sorry. It's just here by the, and I get, we need to have policies and those kind of things. So I'm not saying that, but when they said, so, they've rejected that request, Right. That, that hurts. That Mm -hmm. feels heavy. That feels unlivable. And you're like, yeah, I know that that was the standard. Mm -hmm. Can I get some grace here though? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm, 
if, if you're routinely abusing of the standard or whatever, you know, those kind right. of things, that's a different discussion. But I often wonder, how do we think about grace in those ways? And what other ways have we ex- mm. experienced, not experienced grace where it's like, I know that I'm being held rightly to the standard. Mm-hmm. It's just, it really hurts right now, mm. you know? Um, and so, you know, with, with our kids, when we parent, we're always making, we're always making decisions about grace with our kids. We know the stand, what the standard is. And yet we're, we're either holding back on punishment, holding back on discipline, giving disciplines. And Danielle and I have this conversation all the time with our kids of, well, um, sometimes our kids just need a lighter, a lighter hand in discipline, Mm. right? That's a gracious response, you know? And so I think we, we, we work and weave in these spaces. It feels a little abstract. Um, but we do that. We, we do that. I remember when I was in college, I had a, I had to miss uh, a final exam. My best friend had passed away, but by the letter of the law in the student handbook, the only, the only acceptable reasons to miss a final was for the death of an immediate family member or you were hospitalized, right? It's my best friend, not an immediate family member. By the letter of the law, if I missed the final, I should have failed. I went, I made the decision. I'm going to skip the final. I'm going to go back for his funeral and uh, just let my professor know, hey, I don't hold anything against you. I know what the handbook says. Here's a scenario. Here's a situation. And my professor, I was leaving Chicago, driving from Chicago to Pittsburgh. I get a call, don't know the number, pick it up. It's my prof. And he goes, hey, get me your stuff. It was, a, it was for a project. It was a final mm-hmm. presentation or project. Get me your presentation. I can't give you an A, but I'm not going to fail you. Like that was grace. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew the standard. He gave me something I didn't deserve. I willfully missed the final. So I think sometimes as we interact in this space, what is practical, you know, grace only, grace is only gracious. Grace is only something of substance when we know that, that we're not being held accountable to the standard, Amen. you know? Yeah. And so uh, whether it's a, a young Jeff South <laughs> having a gracious judge or just in the space that we interact as, as parents or even in our relationships with our coworkers or, or our friends. But it is, it is hard to be practical in this, uh, in this, in this space of grace. Uh, here, here's a different, another question. Uh, as broken people and sinners, um, God, as broken people and sinners, God's love or grace has to be extended first before we can confess, right? So kinda, I think uh, acknowledging or interacting with the, the, the final section of the sermon where have the confession, repentance, uh, care for others, and uh, tell your story, right? Uh, so God's love or grace has to be experienced first before we can confess. At least this is how it's worked for me. Without experience, grace or love, confession can't be sincere, deep, or real. I think the four steps to resist jealousy, the last step has to come first. Um, I think, yeah, that's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I think, um, you know, Jeff, how do you, how do you enter into those spaces of confession and repentance and, mm-hmm. you know, I- acknowledging or, or coming back to, to God's, the joy, the depth of your salvation and, and the reality of grace. Yeah. That's, those are one of those er- That's one of the areas in our life. I think where, when I, when I've gotten into an area where maybe I have not been repentant or maybe have not been forthright in the way I've, I've handled things lately, the Holy spirit always seems to have a way of bringing that around as for me anyway, through worship, as I'm sitting there listening to the songs, mm-hmm. driving down the road, I'm at home, I'm just reflecting on what has happened. Or Those are the times when I 
God's spirit just kind of just puts the screws down and says, hey, Jeff, remember these things? Yeah. We haven't talked about these. Yeah. There's some areas, and the Holy Spirit just kind of, but it's come through the time that I've just been reflecting on the Lord and worshiping him through through God's music and through Christian music. Yeah. And then then come to the place where I'm actually just confessing God, you know what? I'm wrong and, and have gone through and, and humbled myself just like Psalm 51, you know, creating me a clean heart, oh God, renew it to me a right spirit and restore the joy of salvation. And yeah. God, I am a sinner from the time I was a birth and just humbling myself before God verbally sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's just just in, 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 in the heart. And so, but at the time it's, it's always about humbling ourselves before the, before God, and even though our sins are already forgiven. Yeah. It's, it's still a cleansing Mm-hmm. refreshing time through the Holy Spirit coming and just yeah. renewing ourselves, and then just being reminded yeah. that all my sins have been washed away because the grace of God. Yeah. So Right, so that, that grace you experienced first in salvation prompts you for confession. And John says this in First John, mm-hmm. if, we, if we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. Um, mm. And so I think it's, it's in that sweetness, just as you said. It's in that sweetness of grace. It's in the sweetness of God's kindness that we've experienced at the moment of salvation that even prompts us to be able to go to our father in heaven with in confession. Right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I should have put a, a circle instead of an arrow. Um, <laughs> Cause it really is, it's a cyclical yeah. process, it is. you know? And so, so yeah, so we start by knowing our father in heaven is trustworthy and good. Why? Because we've experienced his mm. grace and his love. And because of that, we know that he's safe and we can confess to him because he's going to care for us. Mm. He's not going to condemn us. And then in that we can hand that away, but we it's a it's a it's that cyclical process, and I love that you, you know, as you noted, like worship music helps to bring you into that space, remind you of who your Father in heaven is, and and so there's t- so many tangible ways that we can we can enter into that into that space, you know. Um, I, I think as we look at the characters here in the passage, sometimes it's really uh, one of our temptations is to over allegorize or maybe maybe look for for things that are aren't Jesus wasn't necessarily intending for us to look, and so this other question comes in and says. The first hired uh, negotiated a fair wage. They did. Maybe they thought that they did not receive grace that was given the hired in the 11th hour. What grace did the first hired laborer receive? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I got to, you know, squarely going to say, I don't, I don't know. Because um, I don't think that's the, that's what Jesus was trying to necessarily set up here for us to, for us to look into. And, um, you know, with, with that, there's another there's another question that comes in this. It says, how does this parable connect with the context of the first being the last, the last being first, mm-hmm. and it being hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom? Uh, today we have a lot, and we do a lot for God. Uh, what should we proficient, accomplished, and successful people expect uh, in the kingdom of, of God? Um, I, there's, there's a lot here that we might be... Uh, um, try to wring out of these in individual pieces. Um, I, I think when you hear the phrase last shall be first and the first shall be last, uh, what do you think of when you think of in the terms of the kingdom, Jeff, how would, how does that phrase resonate with you? Well, I think of a, a concept that, um, you know, flies around our culture or society a lot of keeping things equal, how important mm-hmm. and God is saying, Hey, you know, the first, last, you know, I, I think it's just that the idea that it doesn't matter where you came into the kingdom of God. It yeah. doesn't matter yeah. what you've done. It doesn't, Jesus' blood is the one that covers all that. Yeah. You're going to come into this, yes, you know, it could be the, the last person that came into the kingdom of God or you came in late as a believer, 
or late as a person before. Yeah, you, it's that thief on the cross conversion, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. Those if the playing ground is leveled, and so it, the the way that and I think the parable, the point of the parable, it, it, like you said, is it's not an equation. Eight plus eight plus four equals twenty, but. He's not looking for an equation. Yeah. He's looking for, hey, the point of the whole passage is grace. God's going to mm-hmm. give everybody salvation equally, those who call upon his yeah. name. And the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I, those are always statements where we're going, oh, what does Jesus mean? That means yeah, I, I want to be the poorest person <laughs> so I can be the richest in heaven. No, I yeah. don't think that's his point. I think yeah. the point is, is he's going to say, hey, you know what? You may have been rich in this life. But in heaven, everybody's going to be equally treated the same way and with the same compassion, same love, same grace, same mercy. But at the same time, here on, <coughs> excuse me, here on earth, I think it is is important for us to understand that um, God has uh, a willingness to give give us what we don't deserve. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is precisely right. That's what we've all received in forgiveness is mm-hmm. we've received something that we do not deserve. Yeah, and we couldn't earn. We couldn't conjure up. We couldn't con God into it, um, you know. Like, and so, so I think I think when Jesus is saying that phrase, the, you know, here at the end of, the, of this of this parable, what he's reminding them is it's not about what you have done. It's about what God has done for you and Amen. is doing for you. You are the last. Yeah. And God made you first. Yep. Right. You rejected God, and God pursued you. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, um, so we we look at. What what grace did the the, the laborers uh, receive? I, I don't actually think they received any grace in this, but I think the picture there, if we put ourselves in their shoes, we can we can so we we should be able to go. Well, how many of us relate to God in the way that they're relating to the vineyard owner? Right, right. We did all of this. You owe us. Mm. Right. So I think that's I think that's what Jesus is trying to draw out here in this in this parable. I'm not sure if they received. A, a grace specifically. I mean, they, they were working for a guy that was obviously generous. Right. Maybe they, maybe they should have been like, Hey, you know, uh, we want to keep working for this guy. Cause he's really generous in a world that manipulates and uh, wants to take advantage of us. At least he's fair and honest, right. you know, he gave us what he told us he was going to give us, you know, so that you, you could, you could look, you could ring out some meaning in all kinds of ways that I don't think Jesus was necessarily had on the surface for us to ring out there. Um, but again, the other question is when we have, we have a lot, right? And we're able to do a significant amount. We should. Why? Because we've experienced grace, mm-hmm. but it's never been about us. It's always right. about Jesus. Uh, and, and that comes into this, and this other question, again, just the risk of maybe over-allegorizing some of the characters or those kind of things. This question says, who are the people by comparison in the story? Uh, like our new believers, the 11th hour workers, and mm-hmm. those who have been believers for a long time, the first hour, and uh, and then would this the uh, the wage be, be salvation? Um, I don't think Jesus was trying to really unpack all of those things. Or um, sometimes in the parables, because parables aren't our native tongue mm-hmm. culturally uh, we we begin to over allegorize or, or we look we look for different things you know we get we get distracted by either the details of the parable or uh, we, we we start picking up rocks and we're like ooh what about this under there and it's like no no no, no hold on yeah. <laughs> that's not really what he was that's not what he was thinking of because that's not how the first century context the immediate context would have would have understood it these are good questions we want to wrestle through them um, but we just have to go okay I don't think Jesus is really talking about about that. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? I agree 100%. I think 
I think there's a the aspect of the point of of the grace, God's grace. He's going to give it freely to anybody, yeah. whether you're the first one to get it or the last one to get it. Yeah. Whether you're the richest or you're the poorest, but the idea is that the humble are yeah. the ones who come before the Lord with a contrite heart. And so I think, yeah, I, the grace of God. I mean, the other pieces along there is just a story that, yeah, you know, that points to God freely giving His. Yeah his forgiveness, his love, and his salvation. Yeah. And I, I think, again, if we if we pick up those rocks and we're looking under, like, oh, wait, you know, are the 11th hour, the new believers? And those, mm-hmm. th- those are okay questions. Those aren't bad questions, right. right? We just don't want to be distracted by them. But, again, I think if you're going to ask those questions, again, it should go back to, well, what's my heart posture mm. towards other people? Right. You know, and um, because mm. the what is clear in the passage is that idea of grumbling, this perpetual, mm. persistent, cantankerous, grumbling like you know they they went and accused the vineyard owner of a legal malfeasance Mm -hmm. you know it's not a casual complaint Mm -hmm. this is a serious thing and that's what's clear in there are we drifting anywhere close to that Mm. because if we are well grace calls us back out of that place you know very good Yeah, yeah right so here's the last question uh again going back to the whole let's be practical in this space, it's hard. Grace is abstract. Um, is showing grace always the right choice? Or are there circumstances where not showing grace is the more valuable and more appropriate choice? What do you think, Jeff? Well, I just wanted to go back a Pastor, little bit. Pastor, theologian, <laughs> wise, sage, guru. I want to go back to the idea that a lot of times when we come up with those extra questions and pick mm-hmm. up those extra rocks oh, yeah, that you've been yeah. talking about, that number one, that... Um, Sometimes we need to weigh that with other scripture. Oh, yeah. And yeah. say, hey, yeah, this is what we're seeing in this parable, but over here, this is what God's word consistently says about that mm-hmm. particular area. And of course, when it comes to is grace always the way, right way yeah. to show? I, the older I get, I think the more I understand how much I need to, to give grace and more grace and less, not that I'm not speaking truth, but more. Yeah. You know, more di- less discipline, more grace, and yeah. and the more I see, okay, you know what, Jeff, you did all those silly things, and you're going to sit there and point the finger at them. Mm. God is tolerant. God is long suffering. He has shown us compassion and grace multitude. Now, is there times when we need to put the hammer down? As dads, we all know there is yeah. time to put the hammer down and say, "Hey, we're going to put the foot down. You can't go past this boundary." Yeah. Again, this time I'm yeah. going to. I'll show you a little grace, but in a little mercy and <laughs> not get the punishment you might deserve. Yeah. But at the same time, but I, I do think grace is the way as Jesus followers, we should err more on the side of grace, err more on the side of forgiveness, err more on the side of compassion, even though God is truth. But it's, I mean, God is the one that's going to be the judge. God's going to be the one that's going to exact the punishment yeah. when it comes to the everything in the end. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think what I hear the heart in this question, I hear the heart in you is that we don't want to be known as people of unrelenting authority. Mm. Right. Um, I've heard it said this way in parenting that rules without re- uh, rules, without relationship result in rebellion. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And so when you are constantly an unrelenting authority, you might be holding to truth. Mm. It's just unlivable. Yeah. Right. And so I think what I hear in you, Jeff, there is talking about, well, how do I, how do I increase both my truth lens and my compassion lens. Mm-hmm. And how do I, how do I increase in those equally? And we're never going to do that perfectly, mm-hmm. 
But we're always going to live in this tension of, am I doing it right? Why? Because the only one who did it perfectly was Jesus, and we're not Jesus. We're being Mm -hmm. formed into the image of Jesus. But Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, we see in a mirror dimly on this side of heaven. But when perfection comes, when we are with Jesus, we will see perfectly, Mm -hmm. right? So caveat there that we're always going to be wrestling in this tension. And if you are wrestling in this tension of how to do this grace and truth thing well, good. That's yeah. that's a good tension to wrestle in. Um, but I think even as you noted here, right, grace requires truth. Mm-hmm. God doesn't look at Adam and Eve and go, oh, well, that was a boo-boo. Let's, let's try <laughs> over again. You know, he says, mm. here, you've broken it. Here's, there's a, there's an accountability here. I'm going to go above and beyond and make a way out of it though. Mm-hmm. Right? So he, he he never relents the truth of the fracture. Mm. But he doesn't let the reality of the brokenness be the sole thing that's going to define them. Amen. Right? And so I think I think that and just uh, just Jeff as you're talking through that, I think that's what we just need to constantly weigh out. But your grace will only mean something if you have a have a have a backbone and a spine and a standard mm-hmm. to be accountable to, right? right? If I always let my kids off the hook, they're they're always gonna they're gonna they're that's how they're gonna operate. You know what I mean? And so, so I think it is it is that delicate balance. It is it requires emotional intelligence of understanding what really is going on, what are they really going through, how much how hard do I apply the standard? Um, and and our Father in Heaven, He always applies the standard, but He does it through the depth and wealth of mm-hmm. persistent relationship, Amen. you know? And so I think that's, that's just the, that's just a hard space for us to always walk in. We want black and white, right? Yeah. We want this or that. And, um, and I even hear it in you as you're, as you're wrestling through that, that conversation. And even as you grow, right? Being more and more aware of how much grace has been extended to me makes me inherently a more gracious person. Right? So well said, well said. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff wise sage <laughs> right <laughs> well jeff thanks again man for um bringing a good word on forgiveness last week and and just even as we in, in interacting in this space here on the uh, on the beyond the sermon podcast so we can have a dialogue around god's word thank you for the opportunity yeah it's good to be together we'll see you all next sunday